Father, let that be more than a song. Let it be the desires of our hearts. That we would surrender and yield and allow you to rule and reign in the most difficult place of our lives, our hearts. Your word reminds us how deceptive our hearts can be. And your word also reminds us that we need a new heart, a rebirth, a born-again experience. And so, Lord, right now, this moment, as we are drawn to this place, one more time, for no other reason except the name of Jesus. The name in which salvation is wrought to us. It was his sacrifice at the cross that allows us to be able to draw near to you. So, Lord, right now, this moment, whatever walks of life, whatever situation, circumstances we're facing, they pale in comparison to your love. So we ask you, right now, this moment, Lord, pierce our hearts. Peel back the hurt. And allow the salve of your love bring healing to us today. Lord, we love you and we ask you, we ask you right now that you would show up in this room. We need an embrace from you. We need a word from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for moments like this. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said? Amen. And amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. There have been people in my life that for the life of me, I could not understand why I hung out with them. As, as I look back now, I can kindly attribute it to the fact that I was seeking acceptance. I was searching for an identity. And at the end of the day, when you don't have a clear directive, when you're not sure about who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and who you're supposed to be running with, you will involve yourself in toxic relationships. Now, we've been in a series and we'll continue. The first week we talked about toxic thoughts. Last week we talked about toxic influences. The first week we realized that, you know, it all starts with a thought, right? You know, if you start with a thought, eventually, you know, your legs are moving and you wind up in places you said you would never go. Last week, we talked about influences, and we realized that just because you could doesn't mean you should. Amen. This week, we're going to be talking about toxic relationships, and next week, we're going to be talking about toxic words, so you can't miss this series. This series, hopefully, will begin to get inside you and wreck you, which is what the Word of God does to us. It wrecks us before it fixes us. And just like I hung out with people that I now can look back and say, I, I, I can't believe that. I wonder if, if you too have been in relationships or are currently in a relationship that is doing more harm than good. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to have this conversation about toxic relationships. I'm going to give you some um, ways to identify those people who are toxic. Then I'm going to give you a couple of ways to make sure that you create something around you that will protect you from that. But, but this message is not for the person next to you, so I don't want no elbowing. I don't want you to say, hey, did you hear that? No, this message is for the person sitting in your seat. Because here's what I know, and I'll raise my hand first. There is a cycle in every family. There is a person in every family that you just, oh, they drain you. They exhaust you. Now, I raised my hand, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, because some of you will not raise your hand, which will identify you as a cycle of your family. <laughs> 
So at the end of the day, that's not what we want to do in this place. We, we, we want to be able to lift you up as you come in here. But th there's something that we have to realize. Just like I was seeking acceptance, just like I was not sure of my identity, you have to understand that your identity is found in Christ. And maybe you don't believe in Christ right now, and I'm glad that you're here. Because hopefully you'll leave this room with Christ. Now, now Christ is not a genie in a bottle. It's not a cure-all solution to everything. But I got to tell you something. My life has never been the same. Since I came face to face with that love, when I came face to face with Jesus Christ, my life has never been the same. And I am forever grateful. And it doesn't mean that I'm working harder. It just means that I'm a lot smarter today than I was back then. And for some of us, it's a shame that we're really intellectual. We have a bunch of degrees on our walls, but we're involved in some toxic relationships. So at the end of the day, you got to ask, what's going on with you? Like, like, what's going on inside you? Where, where do you get what you need to get you through the day? I hope it's not from Oprah, although I like her. I hope that's not your source. So I want to go to the Word of God, and I want to show you some things about what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Now, we talked about the Corinthians last week, and we realized that anytime in the Bible you see two letters to a particular place, they're a hot mess. Like, like these people, like it takes two letters to kind of straighten it out, right? At the end of the day, I said last week, how many letters you think that Paul would have written to Recovery House of Worship Brooklyn? Take it easy. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, hey, listen, what, what I love about Christ, what I love about the gospel is that he takes messy people. He takes chaos. He takes the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise. And, and that's great. You know, me first. You know, I, I'm just so grateful that he took a mess like me and has done something with it. And I'm still a work in progress. So I have a huge sign. I got these great T-shirts that say work in progress. Don't trip. Amen. Okay? So, you know, at the end of the day, what we want to talk about today is toxic relationships. And I'm, and I'm telling you, hold on. Hold on, because I may be talking directly to you today. Amen? Amen. So let's stand. That's what we do when we read God's word. So everybody, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. It's NIV version. It'll be on the screen. It's not. It'll be in your bulletins as well. I'm going to read it out loud. I just want you to listen. Let the word get inside you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So let's put on our big ears right now. Amen? Let me taper mine back a little bit. Okay. It says here, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I like to sit because um, I'm old. That's one. Two, I, I have this mentality that I'm in my house with friends, my family. And I invite you in to have a conversation about some real, real stuff. 
Now, let me tell you what this scripture doesn't mean because people read it and make all kinds of assumptions and we don't want to do that. Because it says about unbelievers and how we're supposed to separate ourselves from them. And that's not what it's saying there. It's simply saying that you shouldn't follow unbelievers. In other words, the whole idea here is how do we reach unbelievers unless we meet with them? Wherever they are, we're supposed to go to the four corners of the earth and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean here that now all of a sudden we all become monks, move into a monastery, and separate ourselves from everybody else. It simply means that we do not follow their ways. We do not act like they do. And I'm not exclusively isolating people here. I'm simply saying that when you come to Christ, there is a new set of rules. There is a gospel that we must follow. There is a way for us to behave and interact. There is a way for us to live our lives now. And that's the important thing here when you read this text, because a lot of people will take it and say, well, I can't have no unbelieving friends. Listen, I got a lot of crazy people around me. I don't act crazy like them because I have one goal. And that is to help them to see that there is a better way. So you don't have to lie no more. You don't have to steal no more. You don't have to sleep around anymore. You don't have to continue to hurt yourself or hurt others. You don't have to continue to live that kind of life anymore. So my goal is to helpfully allow them to see how my life has changed. Because they knew me when I was crazy. Like some of your friends knew you when you were crazy. And if you're still crazy, then we have to work on that. Amen? So, so it's important for us to realize this. So what I want to be able to do now is why is it that we see God's word sometimes and, and we don't obey it? Especially when it comes to relationships. I don't know about you, but people told me not to hang out with this individual. They told me not to go out with this person. I'm the only one, so just bear with me. But I still did it. And at the end of the day, I think there are two reasons why. One, we think that we can save people, Right? You know, like, like, like right now, you're, you're in church, right? And you figure, man, I really like her, but she doesn't go to church. And I don't know, but maybe I could convert her. You know, maybe you're in the rooms and you think I could sponsor her. You know, all kinds of, you know, you, you start blurring some lines here, and that's not how it works. There's only one person who saves people. And it's not you. And, okay, maybe your name is Jesus, but you're not Jesus Christ. Okay. So, so it's important for us to realize. So a lot of us think we can, we can save people, right? The other one is that we settle. What do I mean by settle? I say, for in our dysfunction, we think that it's normal to be in a relationship that may be abusive. Because maybe that's how we grew up. If you grew up in a dysfunctional home like me, hey, screaming and yelling was normal. Putting people down was normal. So what happens is that rather than change, we accept, we settle for the familiar. It's crazy. Change is scary. You know, I mean, it's scary to change. But at the end of the day, you either change or stay in a situation which will diminish what God is trying to do in your life. Now, it doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater. It doesn't mean you go back home and say, yo, you got to go. It simply means that you begin to realize that this relationship may be raising the toxic level in your life. And it's important for us to understand that because, you know, uh, you, know you can separate yourself and isolate yourself and not be involved, and that's 
contrary to what the Word of God says, because we're meant to be in community, we're meant to be among one another. But in this scripture, he asks a question to every single statement. He says, what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Absolutely nothing. Or what does fellowship, what, how can you fellowship light and darkness? One is supposed to dispel the other. If there's darkness, once light comes in, there's no more darkness. So it's important for us to understand what is harmony there between Christ and Belial. And that's a new word, but that's ungodliness. That's the word they use for Satan. So what, how do Christ and Satan get along here? Well, we know that he's the liar, great counterfeit, prince of this world. His resume says, I come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I come to give you life. And not only just life, but life more abundantly. So, so that's what he's saying here, he's saying, you know, let's answer this question. How can you be in Christ and still hang out with Bilal? You just can't. You can't serve two masters. Amen? So, so it's important for us to understand that. The, the next part here is, is this whole idea. If I stand at the edge of this stage and I have a little kid come and grab my hand, he'll be able to pull me down no matter how strong I am, it's all about gravity, isn't it? I'm at a higher plane, and gravity, you know, what goes up must come down. So a little child will be able to pull me down. It's the same way with the relationships that we're in. It means this, and I'm going to read this out loud to you. The people closest to you will hands down be your greatest spiritual asset or your worst spiritual curse. Those you spend the most time with can propel you closer to God, serving him faithfully and pleasing him in all you do, or make it difficult for you to live for the Lord. Toxic relationships harm your soul. That's what they do. If you're around people who are toxic, it drains you. you got to work so much harder. You can't even be yourself around them. That's not what Christ wants for you. Christ has come to give you life and more abundantly. It's important for you to understand. Now listen, I don't want to say, you know, they come to kill and destroy and you're thinking, man, I'm living with Satan. No, you're not living with Satan. It's just that this person may have some things going on. This person may not even be in a program. This person may not know the gospel. And at the end of the day, what begins to happen is they begin to harm your soul. Amen? I'm going to call these people toxic tagalongs. If you're writing down toxic tagalongs, these toxic tagalongs can corrupt your good intentions and rob you of the blessings God wants to pour out on you. And after you swum in their poisonous presence, they leave you sitting in a puddle of sewage, nursing a corroded soul. It's deep, right? Yeah, I didn't make that up. Somebody gave it to me. But it's really profound for you to hear. That's what happens. Now, I'm about to reveal to you some of these harmful behaviors in some people. And hopefully it'll be on the other side of your bulletin and you flip it over. And it'll be on the screen. So just bear with me. I'm going to go through it as quickly as I possibly can. But I think it's vital for us to understand these things. You see these lists? The first one is a people pleaser. A people pleaser is a person who constantly seeks approval of others, and they will almost do anything to be liked. 
Nobody in this room. They're often described as a doormat and they lack self-confidence. These are the people pleasers. If you're involved with anyone like that, you know. Right now, there's a name coming to your head and you're like, oh, man. The next one is the enabler, a person who supports the harmful behavior of others. No one in this room. They may make excuses to cover up for others, and they may also contribute to harmful behavior. You know who that is. It's a person you run to to co-sign your stuff. It's a person you're constantly asking to hit you up with $2. It's a person you're constantly borrowing stuff from or making excuses for. The clinger. Anybody knows any clingers? A person who is needy and dependent, they constantly rely on others to make them feel better and are never fulfilled by any amount of affection. They can be very demanding of others. You literally have to cut, cut them away. They cling. They're just so needy that at the end of the day, you're drained. Being around them is not uplifting. The fixer, I love this person. The person that's a fixer tries to fix others' problems. By the way, they happen to be a hot mess. Okay? But, but they're into fixing other people's problems. They take on problems that are not their responsibility and quick to give advice to try to find possible solutions to other people's problems. Not their problems. Anybody a fixer in the room? Don't raise your hand, please. What about the distancer, right? A person who is emotionally unavailable to others may have been hurt by someone in the past and keeps others at a distance so they won't get hurt again. Watch those people. They don't like to hug. If they do, they're like... They, they, you know, and again, you have to understand, maybe they've been hurt. They haven't got past their hurt. I'm talking about toxic relationships. I'm talking about those things that drain you. Being around these people will affect you in a particular way. I just mentioned a few. Have, do you know anyone like that? Have you been this way? The controller. Woo, boy, not a recovery house of worship, Brooklyn. Not here. A person who is possessive, jealous, and domineering. Six power and may tell another what to wear, what to do, what to believe. And when they don't get their way, they may become violent. It's like that laughter is identification, isn't it? What about the center? A person who is self-centered, all about me, 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 me. Wants to do what they want to do when they want to do it, no matter who it affects. Because it's all about me. It's all about what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Give it to me. The abuser, the person who's abusive constantly puts down others or cause others harm, threaten others, begins fights, acts violently. Their behaviors might change from abusive to gentle, then back to abusive. Sounds like someone bipolar. <laughs> the abuser will do that. The abuser will go from, oh, I love you, toma. That's what they'll do. Listen to me. Please, I know we're laughing, guys, but this is serious stuff. You know, this toxic relationships, we've been in them. We've been involved. We've been prisoners to this. We've been held hostage to these things. 
And some of us are still involved in these kind of relationships. So in moving forward, we get our acceptance from Christ. We get our life from Christ. We get our assurance, our love, our peace from Christ. I'm revealing some real, real stuff, but at the end of the day, the way you come out of this is running to Christ. Because at the end of the day, the abuser will deceive you because of what's going on in your life, the hurt that you've experienced, what you think is normal, your dysfunction, you'll accept. And you'll settle for 50% when you deserve 100. You'll settle. I talk to the men all the time who are, you know, still, I want a rib, I want a rib. I said, make a list of the 10 things you want. You know, and they come back to me and I say, well, well, she's got six things. And he's like, yeah, but she's wonderful. I said, she only got six things. It's the four things she doesn't have that are going to kill you. <laughs> so just wait. Wait on the Lord. Make yourself worthy of being responsible for someone else. Aren't you glad I said that? Because it's important for us to realize the next one is the liar. Now, I don't expect anything from a liar except what? Liar. Right. So I don't get disappointed when they lie. Some of us in this room still get disappointed when someone who's been lying historically, psychologically, sociopath lies to you. You're like, oh, why are you lying to me? He's a liar. Amen. What do you expect from a liar? So a liar is this. A person who does not tell the truth may lie about themselves. To look good, underline that, if you have it on your bulletin, they're lying to make themselves look good. Yeah, I got a Maserati, but it's parked in a car because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to park. I, I just got it parked because I'm trying to keep the mileage down. I want to resell it. You know, like, really? You ride the iron horse every single day, Pop. What's up with that? So, so again, liar. Why? Look good because the relationship are based on lies. They like connection and commitment, manipulate others to get what they want. Man, I can't make this up. And then finally, for the sake of our sermon, is the promise breaker. The person who is not reliable. They're always making plans with you. They're always saying, man, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there, you know. And you get all dressed up, all decked out. And then you wait. And you wait. And say, I've been there. You know, I had, you know, a parent who said I'll be there, and, and what didn't show up? And as a child, the last thing you want to do is be waiting on a sidewalk for somebody to pick you up and hoping, hoping that they'll show up this time. So promise makers that, they make plans, but look what they do. They cancel if something better is offered. They may agree to change annoying behaviors, but they don't. You know, I said earlier that the reason we get involved in some relationships is we try to, try to save people and eventually we settle for what's familiar rather than change. I'm convinced that you can't help anyone unless you help yourself. Amen. And the only way to do that is coming to Christ. Having this born-again experience, allowing God to get inside you and reveal some stuff to you that will begin to help you to grow in who you're supposed to be. You know, and anybody, anybody fly on an airplane, right? You ever see the demonstration they do about, you know, the mask comes down? and You know, as a parent, you're sitting there and says, no, nah, i got to take care of my kid first. No. you got to put the mask on yourself. Take care of yourself so that you can then be helpful to someone else. 
it's impossible for you to be involved in a relationship until you get yourself to a place where you're sure about who you are in Christ. What you're supposed to be doing and not doing. Amen? Because here's the scripture that I want to use, and Paul writes it to the Corinthians as well. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Okay, you heard how he started it, right? Do not be misled. Meaning that at the end of the day, we have the inclination to be deceived. We think we can save them. We think we can, you know, get them straight. We think we can help them. Listen, you cannot. It's not up to you. If you're still trying that, then you're an enabler. And you're a fixer. And you're trying to be in control. That's three of them. Because you're in a toxic relationship. You think, man, you know, we have a history together. I want to be able to help them. You know, I really, I want to go all out for them, you know. Yeah, but in the meantime, you're losing yourself. You're losing yourself. You're not walking in the power that God has given you to be all you can be. This is not a commercial. This is not a recruitment for the military. I'm simply saying that if you're in a relationship where you're giving, 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 and you're not getting anything, you're in trouble. You're in a toxic relationship. And I got to ask, what's going on with you that you're still involved with these kind of people? I couldn't for the life of me understand why I hung out with those people. Now I'm a lot smarter. I know why. I was seeking acceptance. I was seeking somebody to love me for who I was. Not for what they wanted me to be. And I didn't find that love until I came to Christ. I kept searching in all the wrong places. There was a void in me that I wanted to fill, and, and I tried so many things to fill that, and, and I just couldn't. It seemed like there was this, this bottomless pit that every time I put something in, it wasn't enough. So I had to go to the next one and the next one and the next thing, and then I just kept searching for it until someone told me, Jesus loves you. And when that happened, it did something to me. Because it wasn't just that he loved me, but that he died for me. That he took a beating for me. That he went to the cross for me. And not only just today, but my past, my present, and my future. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to surprise him. But right now, he's trying to extricate you. He's trying to rescue you from a toxic relationship. And it's not that you're saying, man, but I really love this person. Yeah, but you got to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to find out what love is. Your idea of love could be something else. And you got to label it that. Amen? The next thing is this. 2 Timothy 2.16 and 17 say this. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. What is godless chatter? Gossip. Now listen to me. Okay, this is, this is for free right now. If you listen to a gossiper, chances are they'll gossip about you. Write that down. If you listen to a gossiper, chances are they're talking to somebody else about you. And probably throwing you under the bus as the one who started this gossip. Listen to what I'm talking about. What about toxic relationships? Amen? George Washington said this, and I, and I love the first president. Amen. He said, associate with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. Yeah. 
but I can't be alone. I get scared. Better to be alone than in bad company. And just know you can be alone but never lonely because Christ is always with you. Always with you. It's the reason why some of us can't live alone, so we settle to be with a brute rather than alone. Because you don't realize how precious and how much Christ loves you. And although you may be alone, you're never lonely. He's always present. And all you got to do is invite him into those moments when you're feeling like, can I say crap? Yeah. It's my house. I can say crap. When you're feeling like horrible about yourself, invite him into those moments. Amen? That, that's really important for us. Now, I've given you a whole list of toxic relationships. I've given you a whole list of people and harmful ways. And you have to begin to look through this. That's why I put it on the bulletin. You can take it with you. You can look at it. And you can begin to, you know, evaluate where you are. Because at the end of the day, listen to me, it's harming your soul. I can see by the way you walk into this place, by the way you carry yourself, by the things you say, the emotions you're going through day in and day out. If you're crying once a day and it's not for the joy of the Lord, something's going on. Something's going on. Oh, but God is cleansing me. No, you're in pain. You're in pain. You don't deserve that. So I'm going to give you two ways to begin to address some of these toxic relationships in your life. The first thing is, I wanted to illustrate it, is a fence. Good fences keep the good in and the bad out. You have to establish good fences in your life. What I mean by that is some boundaries. Listen to me. You, you can't talk to me like that anymore. I, I can't accept that. You can't talk to me like that anymore. I don't deserve that. I don't know if this is going to work out for us. But I want to wish you the best. You're creating boundaries. You, 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 remember that. You keep the good in and the bad out. Because the bad is toxic. And once they get in, past your defenses, it's hard to get them out. So in my life, I got some good fences. I got some great boundaries. I got two kind of people in my life. Those that are helping me to get closer to Christ and those I'm trying to get closer to Christ. That kind of puts you in a category. If you're coming to me, listen, you know, we all grew up in the street. You knew when someone was coming with bad intentions. You didn't let them get near you. In fact, what's the rule in the street? Hit them before they hit you. Right? So at this point, when I have my boundaries and that person crosses over, I say, oh, oh wait a minute, Bob, you can't do that. The, you know, there's a relationship here, and if you want to keep it, this is where you can go and no more. Good fences are good boundaries. Do you have boundaries in your life, or do you keep pushing them out further and further? Every time you're giving into a situation, they peek at your heart and your emotions. You're like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, you're really not in it. So it's important for us to understand this idea of good fences. The other one is, I hope everybody can see from there, okay? If you can't, just raise your hand. I'll try to draw it bigger. This is me. 
Let me put a smile on my face. Just some eyes. Okay. No, no, easy with the ears. I'm conscious. I'm conscious of my ears, okay? They're there somewhere. They're just back a little further. This is my inner circle. Not too many people in here. I have some people in here. These are just the people that are in here love me. And because they love me, they can be, they can speak truth to me. They can be honest with me. Because I can be honest with them. They know everything about me. They know my dark moments. They know when I'm up, when I'm down. They know exactly what to say to bring me up. I go to them and they fill me up. They don't drain me. You got people out here. And further and further. The mistake that some of us are making is that you're allowing everybody into your inner circle. The people that are in your inner circle, there should be certain characteristics about them. Not everybody can be in your inner circle. You're saying, man, that sounds like unchristian. Like, no, it's not. It's straight out of the Bible. Jesus ministered to everybody, called 12 to hang out with him, and then took three to pray with him. I'm not giving you something that's not biblical. I'm simply saying that at the end of the day, you can minister to everybody. You can be around everybody, but in here, you can't have toxic people in there. And if you do, I love you, but you got to go. Because they're causing you more harm than good. And that's hard. Because you're afraid to be alone. So at the end of the day, you'll accept that person in your inner circle as toxic as that may be. And then you wonder why you're suffering. You have a controller in here, it's not good. You have a fixer, an enabler in here, it's not good. If you have a clinger in here, it's not good. If you have a liar in here, it's not good. It's not good. If you have a promise breaker in here, it's not good. So, so I've given you a whole list of, of toxic relationships. I've given you two ways that you can begin to allow yourself to move from being in toxic relationships to being in relationships that are healthy. And listen, statistics prove that you may only have one best friend all your life. That's okay. I got a friend who we've been friends for 35 years. Every now and then his wife gets out of hand and I say, hey, I knew him before you did. Shut your mouth. Because we know everything about each other. Where we've been, where we are. And by the way, he's a pastor today. Considering what we've been through, he's in my inner circle. It's really amazing. You have to have people in here that fill your tank not drain it. This world is going to beat you down. Life is going to happen on life's terms, right? Tomorrow is not promised. But here's what I do know. I got some boundaries in my life. You're a liar. You're out here. I shake your hand. I hug you. I pray for you. I pray that you stop lying or become mute. 
right? Or the same thing, controller. Listen, control is an illusion. It's an illusion. You cannot control anybody that doesn't want to be controlled. It's good for a little while because you're in love. Oh, you can indeed do all that stuff. You're feeling good about each other. All of a sudden it says, where, where you been? What do you mean where I've been? Let me see your phone. What do you mean let me see my phone? I don't want you hanging out with that person. What? It's my best friend for 20 years. No, I don't want you going out with the girls. I don't want you going out with the guys. Yo, it's 8.31. Where are you? You said you'd be here at 8.30. We're laughing. But at the end of the day, if you don't have these boundaries, you're going to let a liar come in here. You're going to let you know, a controller come in here. All of a sudden, they'll be rearranging your furniture. All of a sudden, they'll move things around. So again, as the team comes forward, we find acceptance in Christ, in Christ only. Our identity is found in Christ and in Christ only. Toxic relationships will harm your soul. They will diminish who you're supposed to be in Christ. Back there, I hung out with people that I, I just hung out with them. But when I look back at it, I said, man, what was I thinking? Like, I scratched my head, and I said, what was I thinking? It's because I was looking for love, and I was looking to be accepted, and I was looking to be with some people that I thought were cool, but they weren't really cool. Listen, at the end of the day, they were searching for the same thing I was searching for. And we made a mess of trying to find it. And it wasn't until I came to Christ and began to, you know, like, like, like defrag my mind and, and throw out all those old rules <coughs> that I thought were helpful to me, but they're not. And I began to allow the suggestions that were made based on the word of God to get inside me. And I got to tell you, it was hard. It was hard telling some family members, I can't hang out with you anymore. It was hard telling some people that we really, like, you know, we ran together. And it was like, I can't run with you no more. I love you, but that's not who I am anymore. And I still minister to those people today. Because I found something. I found something that is so awesome, man. I wish I could give it to everybody. But the Bible says that some and their own unbelief will not. And God doesn't want anybody to perish. He, he doesn't want anyone that, that, that we should stray away. And he doesn't want us to give up on our unbelieving friends. But you cannot allow your unbelieving friends, you cannot allow those people to get past your good fences, your boundaries. They can't be in your inner circle constantly hurting you. I just can't. That's not what God wants for you. God says, I've come to give you a future and a hope to prosper you, not to harm you. So, so at the end of the day, what kind of future are you going to have living with a liar, being with a liar, being with a controller, a clinger, a fixer, a promise breaker? What kind of life are you going to have? Now listen, I don't want you to run home and say, Satan, get there behind me. You're Karen Green, get lost. That's what I'm telling you to do. I'm simply saying, you can't talk to me like this anymore. You can't treat me like this anymore. 
I don't deserve it. I'm a child of God. We need to be able to make that bold move. First, if you're in this room and you don't know Christ, that's a bold move. That you would leave this room knowing Christ. That you wouldn't leave this room the same, knowing all that you know now, that you've learned. You're responsible for all this stuff. This is not just information. This is truth. And truth is meant to set us free. You don't have to continue to succumb to the relationships that are toxic. God loves you too much. Meets you where you are. And I can hear him now. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. You deserve better. You deserve better. Let's bow our heads for a moment as we pray. Man, in studying and preparing for this, there are some people that I got to, I got to say, you can't treat me like this no more. You can't talk to me like this no more. I've been good to you. I, I don't deserve this. And maybe you need to do that too. And I know that the enemy will whisper and say, yeah, but you're going to be alone. I don't know how you're going to manage. How are you going to take care of this if that person's not around? You know, no. God has got you. He is your provider. He is your strength. He is your hope. He is your help. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I've invited my friends into my living room to say some real hard things. I pray that your word would not fall on deaf ears, but would fall on the soil of our hearts and begin to shift and move. Make them bold, oh God. Let them trust in your word. Let them rely on you. Let them see that they're not alone in this. And it's better to be alone than to be in bad company. Because bad company will corrupt good morals. Help us to establish some good fences and draw some circles and invite some people in and invite some people out. But at the end of the day, if anybody should be in our circle, it's you. So we invite you in right now, this moment, and ask you to come. We give you permission. We surrender and yield those areas, those relationships in our lives that have caused us more harm than good. And we don't know how to distinguish one from the other. Give us the wisdom to be able to go forth and do this. Lord, I thank you for that person that has heard this message today. For that embrace that you've given them. That assurance that you have revealed to them. Lord, help us to realize that your love is all we need. And in your love, you, you 
will send those around us that will love us. And Lord, so I thank you. I thank you for the salvation of my friends. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives despite their cooperation. Have your way. Do what you do best. Be glorified, Lord, in this place and in their lives and in their homes. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.